Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm so grateful you could join me for this episode today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. When it comes to healing from the things that we've gone through, sometimes we get stuck and we get to these points where we just feel like we're not making that much progress or we're not as far along as we think we should be. I'm joined in this conversation today by Evan and Jenny Owens. Evan and Jenny lead a ministry called Reboot Recovery. And in this conversation, they're going to talk with us about some of those places where we do get stuck and how we can start to step forward into some of the things that are scary or the things that are holding us back so that we can find that deeper healing that we're looking for. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with, but the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz, and you'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. One of the things that's really frustrating about the healing journey is we keep hearing this expression that healing is not linear, but then we don't really know what is healing. What is it that we're moving towards? We we don't have a roadmap for these things. And so that can cause us to feel like we're just circling around again and again and again. And Evan and Jenny in this conversation do such a great job at helping us to understand what is it that we're moving towards and how we get there. Here's my conversation with Evan and Jenny Owens. Evan, Jenny, so great to have you with me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. One thing I want to really hone in today on our conversation is, you know, the fact that many of us listeners, all of us really have experienced trauma in some way. And in recovering from trauma, though, it's sort of this really uneven path. It's uneasy. It's not clearly defined. And that can cause us to feel like we're not making progress or we're getting stuck. And sometimes though, it's just having an awareness of what this journey is like and finding our path even through some of what feels confusing. I wanted to know though, firstly, if you would talk about recovery more from a spiritual perspective and why if we don't address the spiritual roots of trauma, we will find ourselves very often with an incomplete healing experience. Yeah. You know, uh, the real definition for the word trauma is wound. And I think uh, most of us could logic out, obviously, we've experienced physical trauma, physical wounds, um, but it's the less tangible, emotional and spiritual trauma that we really have focused our efforts on over the last few years. Um, and recognizing that most of us would come to the conversation acknowledging that we have that we are 
physical beings that we have uh, bodies, minds, but also souls. And if it stands to reason that we can experience wounds in our physical and our mental beings, doesn't it make sense to consider that we might experience a wound to the soul? Um, That's really at the heartbeat of Reboot Recovery, um, what Evan and I have worked on for the last 11 years. And it all stemmed from um, my experience working with soldiers who had post-traumatic stress from combat. And I was working in a medical clinic and we were addressing the physical and emotional or mental wounds as best we could. But there was, man, something that was so universal and and prevalent in almost all of my interactions with my patients, uh, which I, I felt like revealed that deeper soul wound. Um, they came asking questions about God, how would a good God let this bad thing happen to me or my friend? How do I make sense of this? How do I move forward? How do I live and find meaning um, in spite of what I've lost or, or the evil and trauma that I've experienced? Um, and I thought, I thought to myself, there's got to be something that I can do, that we can do as Christians to help mend the wounded soul or to help at least facilitate the mending. Because as we quickly realized, we are not the soul healers, but we know who is. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, the foundation. And, and it was very tangible too when you think about symptom management. We spend a lot of time when we're dealing with post-trauma and the effects, the downstream effects of that. We see anxiety, depression, um, relationship dysfunction. And in the traditional modalities, we address those symptoms. Um, but we sometimes find ourselves, as you said, still feeling stuck. Mm. We've maybe got medication or we stuck counseling, but yet it seems like we're still not moving forward to the wholeness or to the the empowerment or the, the for purpose finding phase of all of this. And, and that I feel again is because maybe we've addressed some of the fruits on our tree, but we haven't gotten down to the roots to mm. heal. And, and Evan and I really believe if you if you heal the roots, you see those fruits change mm. and you'll find the peace and the you know relationship rebuilding of trust and all those things if you can get down to those spiritual roots. Anything That's right. That? I agree with everything she said. <laughs> everything she just said. <laughs> I think that that is such a beautiful image that when we think about a tree and the root and the fruit. And one of the things that stands out to me about this is the fact that trauma itself has so many different kinds of roots. And as you've just alluded to, one of those being the spiritual and that we won't be able to bear spiritual fruit. We won't be able to flourish in that way if we don't treat the root of that. And as I've worked with women who are in different situations and, and different stages of their healing journey, some of us and myself included get to this point where we we've been maybe in counseling and it's just not enough mm. you know that we've we've gone and we've talked and we've learned some things but we might find that we're hitting a wall and knowing though that there is a spiritual aspect i think is the first thing right the awareness of that but then it's understanding how do i how do i even approach that and i think you just said something so critical there there's all these questions of why there's all these questions about who is God and who am I to him? And why did this happen? And where is the devil in all the mix of all of these kinds of things? And while those questions can be disconcerting, especially if we don't necessarily feel like we have the answers right away. For me, I found that that was the invitation to the spiritual healing. That's so good that we started off even with our very first reboot group saying, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we want this to be a safe space for you to ask the hard questions. In doing so, mm-hmm. like you said, it was an invitation. Um, 
recognize, recognizing the wound is there, as you said, as the first step and bringing it into the place where it can get healing. And even if we don't claim to have all the, you know, immediate answers, we're going to find it together. We're going to seek it together. And we hope that we'll find it together. Right. And trauma always, when it happens to us, it always catalyzes a conversation about faith Mm. because it's going to raise those difficult questions. Why did this happen to me instead of someone else? You know, or why didn't, why hasn't it happened to me? You know, it's going to raise these questions about is God really who he claims he is? Because I don't Mm -hmm. see his redemption. I don't see his goodness in this right now. And so those kinds of questions, you know, I I think the mental health arena, the professional arena, they're not really trained or built to answer those questions. And so you have this struggle that's happened over the past 10 or 15 years. And I finally see that struggle coming to an end, sort of this division between the mental health profession and the faith profession. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that's coming to an end. And I think that being able to look at it, not just through a you know, it's, it's one thing if I'm a Christian who's doing mental health, that's kind of what it's been. But I think it's even blending now to where we're seeing everyday people step forward and say, hey, we have something to say about this, too, which is it's found in community and all those sorts of things. So it's, it's beautiful for sure. And I think that one of the things that's central to this is acceptance of the journey and I, for me, you know, that is knowing that in questioning, that does not mean that you are right. sinning. That means that you're right. seeking, right? That our questions are are sacred and that the Lord is actually inviting us into that space to discover him more. But we're not going to do that unless we know even what what that there's a problem in the first right. place. Right. And where our wounding brings that problem up and we're we're aware of it and we don't like it. This is the way that he guides us down a path that really isn't so linear. And that's something that I want you guys to talk a little bit more about is the fact that healing is not linear. And we may have heard that before, but then we also don't really know what that means, you know? And so as we're talking about, okay, this is a journey, but this is a journey with no map. This is a journey with no even clear destination. So how can we conceptualize of healing in a way that can help us to create a mindset where there's expansion opportunity where we can grow into that, but then also peels back some of what we might think of as failure. Well, I'm really glad you said, I was actually about to jump in earlier and say this and I didn't, which is, you know, like, so if I'm, we have, we have three boys, um, they're nine and under, and we love to play hide and seek. So if we're playing hide and seek and I'm hiding, you know, when you're the one searching for the person hiding, you don't think every time you look behind something and they're not there, you don't say to yourself, like, I failed. Mm -hmm. You don't think that. Right. You think it said like, I'm mm-hmm. still finding them. The, the hunt to find mm-hmm. them is still con- continuing. I think a lot of people, they go to a therapist or they go to a retreat or they go to a whatever, a reboot program, whatever it is. And they think, well, I'm still not 100% better. I'm not where I want to be. So therefore I failed at healing. And I try to get them to reframe it first off is this, you're still finding healing, right? Like you're still on that journey. And we always say that trauma healing ends in empowerment. Right. That, that's uh, maybe a more accurately should say you've entered the healing zone when you begin finding some level of empowerment in yourself through that. And I think that for so many of us, we've we've associated symptom reduction with healing so long through the medical kind of lens things mm-hmm. that we assume I'm only getting better if my symptoms are gone. Mm-hmm. And we have found through trauma healing that that's largely untrue. Because symptoms, they ebb, they flow, they 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 come at times when I'm not sleeping well. And so therefore my anxiety is higher or my, there's all these mm-hmm. things, my diet has changed or should, 
my should kids change. aren't sleeping well. Right. My kids are sick. Right. Like, all <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. Everyone in our family is always sick. Somebody. <laughs> so the point is, is I think that a lot of times we have to reframe what that destination is. And the, the destination is empowerment, empowerment to continue to allow my story to be given that pain, to be given purpose. And for now that purpose to be able to benefit someone else, not just myself. And that's a, a process that will live out forever. It's the empowerment to be able to tell and live out your story while it's still being written. And I think that's mm-hmm. the beautiful destination where, where we're kind of trying to get people through our, through our reboot recovery programs, through our books, all that stuff. That's kind of the focus is trying to constantly point them that God ne- never wastes a wound, which is cliche, but true. But is mm-hmm. that, that there is hope in this and that there is purpose in it. And, um, and I think that the, the one last thing is it's, it's funny because a lot of times in the medical community, if I have high blood pressure and you give me a medication and my blood pressure goes down, I consider myself that I'm better, mm-hmm. but really the root cause of the high blood pressure is still there. I'm just kind of covering right. it up by by assuming that healing was associated with symptoms when really the real issue is still there, the underlying root cause. And I think that's maybe a way to think about trauma. We spend so much energy in this trauma healing space. People do so much money, so many resources on trying to eliminate the symptoms. And I think that sometimes we miss out on actual healing because we're busy full-time trying to manage symptoms. And that's really exhausting and we get it. And there's no judgment for that. Um, and I'm not saying like, hey, if you have symptoms today, it's because you're not putting in the right kind of work. Don't hear me say that. Don't take mm-hmm. that shame on. But I'm saying maybe we ought to, ought to think a little bit about it through a lens of maybe there's a deeper spiritual root here beyond the mental and physical fruit that I'm seeing. Mm, you just said so many really powerful things there. And I want to go back a little bit. One of the things, firstly, being the fact that just because you're having symptoms does not mean you're not getting better. And I know in my journey, some of my greatest breakthroughs came right after, right on the heels of some of my worst symptoms, my worst experiences with anxiety. And part of what that is though, is that a lot in this this healing journey, it is learning to turn away from the things that we might be running to, to medicate, you know, to make us feel better, to make those symptoms go away. And that instead we're having to learn to turn to God and learn to trust him. And that can cause those symptoms to just rage because what we're used to tampering them down with is now gone. And so as we're learning to turn to him and to lean into him, that threat is going to come back so much harder but that in the continual practice of it, right. that it can be managed. It can improve. And it may never, symptom yes. might, even after healing has happened and we're continuing to find healing, like Jesus still had scars after the resurrection, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we see these mm-hmm. markings throughout scripture where people continue to carry these burdens, these wounds, even after their sort of resurrection come to Jesus moment, you know, and that's the hard part. That's the hard part about living out your faith in this fallen world. I think that's what makes it hard. Yeah. As we've said, they tell stories. They tell the story of what you have endured and what you've overcome. That's right. And it's not an open thing. Yeah. And I think to the point where we do feel though empowered, we do start to feel that overcomer sense, you know, and that's straight out of scripture. That's from Revelation 12, 11, where they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That's what we're moving towards is a testimony of empowerment that we can say, this tried to take me out and it didn't. And that's what we're moving into. And so 
that anxiety that might come back around for me, you know, those kinds of things, it actually reminds me of what I've overcome. And it reminds me of where I find my strength from in the Lord. But this has been years. And I don't want anybody listening to think like, oh, like this just, oh, she got it, you know, and I'm not going to get there. I had accepted at one point in my journey, I will probably just always have to carry this backpack a little bit. You know, this, this, this will probably just always be a, a piece of my story. But honestly, as I accepted that, the healing exceeded what I thought was possible mm-hmm. still. So even though I, I recognize that there's going to be some pieces of this that I carry that are just part of being in the broken world, right. that it doesn't have power over me. And that, in fact, now I have power over it. And so to move to that understanding, though, of healing as moving towards empowerment, I think is so powerful because then we're not consuming our thought with like, I just want to stop feeling like this or I want to get to X level of, of symptom experience, you know, that we can say, you know what, if even there's, you know, some piece of this, how can this be the thing by which I overcome? And that that is absolutely possible. And I think that's part of God's way of manifesting himself in the world. And that's something we wrote in the book. This came to me when we were trying to think, how can we define trauma in different ways? And I said, if if trauma is your personal intersection with the brokenness of the world, which we all can agree that it is, healing or recovery from trauma is your personal intersection with the redemptive heart of God. Because there you see in a very personal way, the, the manner in which God takes that, which seems unfixable or broken or irrevocably you know damaged, damaged and repurposes it that's re- that's what redemption's all about and that's what he's doing continually yeah, in the, the world bringing yeah. about new creation yeah. um, working towards that and 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 you get to participate in that i know that no, no one would, would invite or want trauma in their life but the healing part is a participation in that part of god's character that you can't really experience mm-hmm. any other way Mm, mm. I love that because that is the idea of us pulling heaven down, you know, and that if we associate trauma though, with the intersection with evil, we can associate healing with the intersection of heaven and glory. Like, that is, that's powerful. (laughs) Evan and Jenny. So when it comes to also these roots, so if we're thinking about this tree and some of the roots that are going on in there, some of this is generational for us. Some of this is something that was passed down, whether genetically in our genes or something that was passed down through the way we were right. raised by our caregivers and our parents. And something that you write in the book that I really like, you say the emotional maturity and intelligence of those who raised us plays a significant role in the development of our own emotional management skills. So I want to know if you would talk to us a little further about how our parents or our caregivers' emotional regulation skills actually impacts us as children to the point then that we are experiencing these, these things. Sure. We started thinking about it in terms of a sports analogy, a playbook. I think this came from Evan, but when we were working initially with soldiers... Probably, so it's probably middle of the football season and I was probably. probably just thinking well, sports. We were working with a lot of male <laughs> soldiers and a lot of them we recognized early on had experienced childhood trauma uh, or grew up without uh, father figures. Um, yeah. And we could see that playing out in the way that they were living yeah. their adult lives, whether they were in a, a parenting role or a marriage, uh, that they they were drawing from a playbook that was full of a lot of plays that don't work, you know, plays that don't get you across the goal line. If goal is mm-hmm. 
to raise your kids yeah, in, perpetuated in a healthy problems. way. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we all are given a playbook. We're all handed down. Like you said, there's, there are genetic things, but there's also things that the nurture brings to the table, the, the playbook that we're handed from our parents. And it's our job as we become adults to begin to sift through that and, and, and pull out those which do not get us towards the goal that, uh, and to and replace them with things that we hopefully we learn from other adults and mature Christians and, and hopefully ideally Jesus, uh, to determine how we're going to pass what we're going to pass on to our kids. I um, mean, it's true. I think a lot of times we don't know until we get to be older that what we grew up in was a dysfunctional environment because we have nothing to compare it to. That was mm-hmm. quote unquote normal. But if you think about it, you know, the way that our parents, manage their emotions or didn't manage their emotions is, is what we internalize. Some parents mm-hmm. uh, were not able to manage their, their strong emotions kind of took control of them. And so we saw a lot of volatility in our homes. Others of us had parents mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, would numb out when the circumstances got difficult uh, or who just didn't talk about the hard things and brushed it under the rug. Um, and that sends a message to us. And uh, Evan and I, we pull from this really fascinating experiment uh, that was called the still face experiment. You can Google it um, and find a video of it. Uh, it's looking at child psychology, I think, but it's basically a baby and its mother and they're interacting like normal and the baby's laughing, cooing, kind of eliciting responses from the mom. And then suddenly the mother goes still face and it goes on for several minutes and you can see the baby kind of process through multiple stages of what is happening and how am I going to get my mom back to acting in the way that I want her to act. Uh, And ultimately the baby starts to cry, starts to scream and the still face continues. And it's heartbreaking to watch. Um, But eventually, you know, she breaks back into character and everything's okay. But if you think about what the ramifications are, it's just, it's basically sending the message to the child that the only way to get response is to emote aggressively or, or, or very, intensely mm-hmm. um that could be one thing a baby could pull from it or the other could be that these emotions aren't really getting me anywhere so i'm just not mm-hmm. i'm gonna stuff them or i'm not gonna u- utilize them in, in a healthy way as so a lot of us yeah. come mm-hmm. to the table with varying degrees of that yeah and so recognizing that is again the first step looking back doing some generational digging and, and seeing you know how did my parents respond to stress how did their parents respond to stress um what mm-hmm. things have I taken into my playbook that I need to to get rid of uh, or to to replace with some better plays? Um, and I think I think that's that's just an important first step. Yeah, I mean, during almost all of my one on ones with people, I used to always say, "You're right." Like they would have all these things. You know, I grew up like this, or my ex spouse did this, or my kids are doing this. And I would say, "You're right." You know, it didn't start with you, but it will end with you. Mm-hmm. No, it didn't mm-hmm. start with you, but yeah. it will or can. If you take the right steps towards healing, you can be that new pattern. I mean, lots of Christians talk about, you know, breaking the chains of generational whatever. So, mm-hmm. But a lot of times we we talk about that through behavior modification. I'm just going to make choices. Mm. But a lot of times those better choices, it starts with really learning. How do I manage strong emotions? How do I deal with forgiveness of self and others? How do I deal with yeah. anger? How do I deal with, with shame, guilt, regret? And that's the deeper level that you're not going to hear most Sundays. You're going to hear Sunday like just just be better. Lord, with all yeah. your heart, lean not on your understanding. He'll make your path straight at the end. But living it out when you've inherited that trauma, when you've got that that cloak of darkness, that cloak of pain that you were kind of given from birth, it's a lot harder yeah. to do unless you do the deep work. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the ways that this becomes so 
so front and center for us is the fact that this is happening in the context of our own families, you know, as single moms, that we are having friction in our relationships with our kids, or we're having struggle, or our kids are acting out, all these sorts of things are going on. And instantly, the first thing that comes to our mind is the symptom management. Like, how do I get this to stop? How do I get this child to do what I want them to do? Right. And unfortunately, there's a lot generationally that was passed to us about behavior modification. There was a lot of fear, shame, punishment. There was a lot of obedience, first type of parenting that was passed along to us. And so naturally, that's the way that we tend to look at these things is like, how do I get them to obey me? And for myself, digging backwards mm-hmm. was it was a it was a a deep dive into my own experiences with my parents and my family and understanding that there were things that I was wired for as a kid that I didn't get. And for some of us, you know, if if you if you have, for example, overtly abusive, neglectful parents, then you may be more aware on the surface of what you did not receive that you should have. But if you had really well-meaning parents that did the best that they could and were, you know, they showed up and that kind of thing, but some of these emotional regulation pieces were missing or not, as you said, hard things weren't talked about in the family or those kinds of things. Those are harder, I think, for us to identify the fact that there could still be such huge gaps in our hearts from even those types of experiences. But if we will do that work, then that also is the place where the Lord comes in and says, you did not get this. And it's okay for you to grieve that. It's okay. You can still have a loyalty to your family. You can, or you can still have love for your family. You can still care for them and love and loyalty and care for yourself in saying, these were things that I should have gotten that I didn't. Mm -hmm. And that the Lord is full of all of those things though. So where we didn't maybe have unconditional acceptance, or we didn't have that sense that somebody was with us in our pain, that God is able to offer that for us. And as he reparents us, then we're able to look to our kids and go, oh, this is what they really need. Like, this is not about obedience. Like, how do I get them to stop doing this thing? This is, this is a cry for help on their behalf. And how did how was I treated when I had a cry for help? And now how do I want to change that for my own kids? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I think that it's funny too, because none of us think that we're actively doing it to our children. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in my case, yeah. I am a really good parent. Jenny has a long way to go, but <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty it's amazing. <laughs> pretty much. Um, you know, clearly with three boys, all they want to do is hang out with dad. They they can't stand their mom. It's true. They're they're mom boys. They're all three mom boys. They don't really like <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead to them pretty much. Um, but the 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 thing about it is, I think I think that there's you know we talk about that there's two types of trauma. There's trauma of something bad happening to us. That's what most people when we speak, that's what they think that we're going to talk about: violence, abuse, you know, whatever it may be. But I think that especially in a generation where uh, we have just so many other compounding family issues going on. I think the larger thing is, is not what bad happened to us. It's trauma from the right things or the best things not happening to us. And you see that mm-hmm. so often in issues of neglect or issues of somebody not teaching. How do you forgive someone who really hurt you deeply? Right. How do you do that? Especially in this and age it's really where we've hard. never been more distracted. That's right. That's mm-hmm. it. It's really hard. Yes. And I want to say to all the parents out there, it's, you could constantly beat yourself up and be like, you know, wow, I'm terrible. I, I think for me, that's why I always tell my kids, like, I'm going to let you down, but there's one who won't. Mm-hmm. There's a father mm-hmm. who won't. You know, so just count on me wounding you. Count on me letting you down. 
because I'm not enough. I'm not enough for me. And I definitely can't be enough for you. And I think as soon as we own that as parents and we start saying, but there's one who can, I think mm-hmm. that's when true parenting, that's when we give them a playbook. That's an endless playbook, right? right? Because they can tap into mm-hmm. the spirit. They can tap into all that stuff. And that's really been the secret for us. And I think even at Reboot, we run that risk because in the earliest days, especially people starting to look at Jenny and I as you like their spiritual figure. parents. And mm-hmm. constantly having yeah. to say like, don't put your faith in me. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, like I might have some good ideas, but I stole them all. They're all from, they're all from somebody else. <laughs> they're all in the Bible. <laughs> they're all from secondhand. They're used ideas. Mm, that's really good. And I think and we've talked about this several times on the show, but it bears repeating that as much as we can be transparent with our kids, I think is also how we share this journey with them, though we share that healing journey and and we can own up to our parts and say, you know what, I made some mistakes, especially as our kids get older and they're aware, you know, that we have the ability to say, you know what, I didn't see this the way that I see it now. And I'm sorry, because that's really impacting you. And I'm doing everything I can to, to change what I can change, but there are things that I can't change. Yeah. And we talk about empowerment, but how many of us are slaves to our past or slaves to the traumas that happened to us? They control every aspect of our life. They control where we go, what we think about ourselves, who we hang out with, how we dress, the jobs we apply for or don't, the risks that we take or don't. I mean, so many of us are shackled by the traumas of our past. I think it's when we say you've entered the trauma healing zone when you're empowered to, to live your life while it's still being written. But part of that is you're empowered now to make the right choices. You don't have to be a slave to that past anymore. You're empowered now to say, you know what? Despite the fact that all of my DNA, all of my nature and nurture is telling me I should go do this, I'm going to do this instead, Mm. right? That's purpose in your pain. Just that, that pain, maybe not even yours. Maybe it was your family's pain, your grandparents' pain. I don't don't know, but that pain might not even be given purpose in your generation. Like Mm -hmm. moms and dads, you might've been through something and you're in the arena fighting the, the warriors, you're fighting the battle and your kids are in the stands watching you. And you might not get the answer mm-hmm. this side of heaven as far as why you went through everything, but see, they're the ones yeah. learning the lessons, right? They're the ones who are going to say like, mm-hmm. there's purpose. There was purpose in my parents' pain and I mm-hmm. saw it and now I get to live it out. And that's, that's healing. Wow. You know what I mean? But we don't, we don't talk about that side yeah. of it much. And, and I think that, you know, for the people that we serve, a lot of them won't know this side of, of heaven. Why? But I, I always mm-hmm. say that, you know, Jenny and I, we've been the benefactors of being in box seats with air conditioning and nice chicken and yummy chip mm-hmm. tip. Well, we got to watch thousands of people go through our programs who have been in the arena fighting for their lives. And we're up there just, you know, sipping Coke and, you know, eating Cheetos, but we're yeah. learning, we're learning by watching. And that's such a beautiful seat to be in. Um, and your family can be in that seat. You know what I mean? So anyway. Mm, that's so good. And I, I think that always points to just so much more of this being a journey as we've talked about, and that there's a long game to this, that, when we're in the trenches, we're like, we don't see where this is going to bear any fruit. Like, I have no idea if this is going to, if this is going to hurt them or help them, but that we can entrust that and everything that we do do into the hands of the Lord. And that where, and, and sometimes it looks like, you know, like for my part of it, looking at those things that I didn't receive and then going to my kids and just maybe overdoing it, you know, in some ways, like I'm over teaching and I'm over discipling and I'm overdoing all these things. And I know they're looking at me like, mom, (laughs) and, but this is where being transparent is like, you know what guys, I didn't get this. And I want to make sure that you do. And you know what, right now, I don't know how much of it is sinking in sometimes because of that, that annoyance, but far be it from me though, for those kids to not know that I care, you know, and if I've got to, 
that's the way it goes and that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. Now, when it comes to these familial type traumas, though, so there's a, an aspect of identity that trauma also goes after and who we are and how we see ourselves. Can you talk about, you know, we've talked about the emotional regulation side of, of the way that our caregivers treated us, but can you talk to more of that identity piece? Because I find that this is also an area that really comes under question, but that in that questioning that we can find out really more who it was that God had intended us to be all along? Yeah, that's a great question. Unfortunately, we don't know anything about that. We've never encountered it. So I'm just messing with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to say that in podcasts when someone asked me a question, but you talk about it, be like, no, not good. No, actually, no. Um, thank you, though. Next, <laughs> Pat. Um, Go to question yeah, five. Question. Next question. Yeah, so, um, so all of us as parents, we want to follow sort of this age-old model that even the military uses, this model of first, I'll do it and you watch, then we're going to do it together, then you'll do it and I'll oversee, and then lastly, you do it on your own, right? That's the model that we want to follow. Um, and and as kids, right, we kind of experience this. We watch our moms and dads do things. And in theory, when we get to like 9, 10, 11, 12, we're doing things together. We're managing our emotions, our first dating relationship, whatever. And then eventually as parents, we start to say, okay, now you're going to go off. You're going to kind of do your own 15 through 20. You're going to kind of be your own person. And then after that, you're going to be on your own, right? That's sort of the model mm-hmm. that we want to have. But I find that a lot of parents are stunted in their own maturity, right? They're stunted mm-hmm. in their own need. For, for that. And so we see a lot of times where instead of empowering their children with expertise, instead of em- equipping their children with expertise, they either deny them those expertise or they refuse to pass them down to them. And so mm. the words they speak, the lessons that they do or don't tell start to become these almost like they're, they're, they're unhelpful lessons. So instead of there being like the right things, again, it's the absence of those things. And I think that as we look at this, a lot of times the greatest area where we see identity being shaped is, you know, this record that plays in our head, this album. Um, And it's, I always compare it to like ringing in the ears that if you start to listen to it, it gets louder and louder and louder. And Mm -hmm. we refer to these as ungodly or limiting beliefs. I think is what our book calls them. Um, I shouldn't know what the book calls them. I think they're called limiting beliefs. (laughs) Um, But that's the greatest area is that eventually when you've, when you've experienced that absence of that healthy four-step sort of parenting model and you didn't develop those expertise, you don't, you don't develop that confidence, what starts to happen is the world and trauma doesn't even have to limit you anymore. You do it for yourself. You do it mm-hmm. for yourself. And that's when the enemy has won. And that's when trauma's, that's trauma's final destination. You know, you limit yourself. Uh, and, and the greatest limitation would be saying, you know, my best days in the past, I have nothing to look forward to and suicide becomes an option. That's the ultimate limiting belief that, that life, there's no hope on the other side of this. And um, and so, yeah, we see that really real play out 
Yeah. It made me think about the diagram in the book where it talks about you have this traumatic experience and it can either go one of two ways. It can influence your behaviors, which then influence and reinforce your beliefs by yourself, or it can influence your beliefs, which then influence your behaviors. And I think the first path is, is the one that we get trapped on that can be detrimental when our, when our behaviors begin to influence what we believe about ourselves, it kind of becomes a self feeding cycle of, uh, well, I I did something bad. I am bad. And so I'm going to do more bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, or I'm unworthy and you know, that, that kind of thing where we reinforce for ourselves, but what Evan's talking about is letting your beliefs shape what you do. And that's, that's embracing your true identity. And we want, that we want your beliefs to be built on the truth and that's going to help to stem the tide of those detrimental behaviors and stop you from continuing the trauma in your family's lines. Yeah. And that's probably the hardest part for me. You know, my personality is always, you know, my parents used to say that I I jump off the diving board before I check to see if there's water in the pool. And I think I've gotten better. Um, But I think for me, I think that, that I'm, I'm constantly around people who don't have any desires for a better future than what they have. They exist in this realm of sort of, I survived today. I paid the bills. I've got a roof over my head. Life is good. And they seem content with that. And there's nothing wrong with being content with that. I'm not criticizing it. But I think sometimes I wonder how many people in in their world could be radically changed, could be radically helped. How much, you know, what could their impact be if they didn't have so much self-doubt? And if their parents would have just mm-hmm. embedded in them a little bit more expertise, you know, and, uh, and I always mm-hmm. compare it to like, when you're little, you know, those first few steps when you learn to walk are terrifying, you know, and every time you walk, mm-hmm. you have to think like, oh, but now when I get up to go to the bathroom after this call, I'm not going to be thinking like, okay, how do I walk again? Okay. I do this, 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 and this, like, because I've developed a certain level of expertise and confidence that I've walked in the past yeah. and I can do it again. Right. And I think that so often people say, well, I, I I never walked in the past. I never did that thing in the past because mom and dad didn't tell me this or mom didn't or grandma or whoever it is. Um, And so I would say it has to start with you. You have to go first. You got to start taking those Mm -hmm. first steps, whatever it is, whether it's starting to volunteer somewhere, whether it's starting to try to start that company on the side, the side hustle, whether it's writing that book you've been putting off, whatever it is, you have to go first. And when you start to go first, what happens is it may or may not be super successful, but you'll grow in expertise. And two or three years now, you'll look back yes. and you'll be like, you know what? I don't have to think about it anymore because I did it in the past. I can do it again. Yeah. And that's, again, empowerment. Yeah. That's healing from trauma. That's where it ends. Good. Yeah. And I think what you just pointed to, though, is the fact that that limiting belief that we're telling ourselves keeps us from even taking exactly. that first step, keeps us from being the one to say, I'm going to break this or that I'm going to do something different. I'm going to color outside the box. And a lot of it is because we already are carrying this weight of shame that tells us we're not good enough and that we can't ever do anything worthwhile. And so for us to step out and to potentially experience failure or rejection just seems unbearable. Because again, it's failure versus finding. Failed at it. Well, did you, or did you really find, it's like that cliche, you know, whatever ways to not invent the light bulb. I mean, that's the, you know, again, it's that ever growing, it's a reframing of a truth, but, trauma mindset versus a resilient mindset. Right. And and where this started for me was coming to this realization. And a lot of the things that like we come to, like the Lord 
the spirit is with us. Like he's depositing these things in us. He's put people around us. There's great books that we can read, all of these sorts of things that we can start to challenge that mindset that we're not just white knuckling it, figuring this out on our own. But this realization that action is information, that if I take an action, I will have information after that about, well, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to. Why not? You know, or hmm, how could we tweak this next time that it might even do a little better or, you know, whatever the case is, but that if I decide that I don't want to experience it as rejection, I don't have to. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be anxious about it. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be, it doesn't mean that it's not going to be painful and I'm not going to be fighting that urge to overthink it and, and crush myself. But it's recognizing the root of where that shame comes from, that that shame was deposited in me and I want yeah. to kick it out. And that where, whether it was a shame that was deposited by something negative being given or something positive being withheld, which is what we talked about earlier, the fact of the matter is, I have the ability within my relationship with God to receive the positive that he wanted me to have always. And that that is the antidote to being able to find the courage to step into something new. And, you know, what we're talking about as far as like, maybe it is some, some very purposeful thing that God has for you. This is also though something we'll feel at the beginning where it's like calling a therapist, you know, or taking medication and like these kinds of things that, that we have to confront that fear of failure really early on in the journey. But when we can know that, that this is something that was passed to me and I can be the first one to take the first step to push it back and then to give my kids something different, it makes it worth it. Yeah. That's so good. Mm. Now, when it comes to these limiting beliefs, sometimes they have been with us for a really long time that we don't even know that we're carrying them around. For myself, it was, you know, well, people just don't like listening to me. You know, I'm a burden. And I just accepted that that was the truth. And it took a lot of work to realize that this was a limiting belief that I had cooked up about myself and to challenge that. Um, I think the road would have been a little easier to challenging that if I had an idea of what it looks like to replace, to identify and replace these limiting beliefs. So would you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. And isn't it funny how once we get a limiting belief, all we do is find tons of evidence to support it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, we don't just like bake that thing and and we like mass produce it, you know, it's like, do it, oh, yeah. right. But yeah, so the, this, this limiting or this ungodly belief, right. God has a lot to say about us right? Throughout scripture, he says that he knows everything about us. You know, he knows that we're made in his image, that uh, he determined our exact time of birth, that he doesn't count our sins against us, that, yeah, that that nothing can separate us from love. I mean, there's hundreds, probably thousands, I don't really know, lots of verses of what God says about us. And yet, even if confronted with that, even if I was to say to you, like, hey, you know, uh, Jenny, your limiting belief is this, but here's what God says about you. You'll know it's a limiting belief when you start to fight for your own like badness. Well, I know that's what God mm-hmm. says, but mm-hmm. right. That's when you know you fully bought into a limiting belief. That's when you know your beliefs have changed. This is one of the reasons that that positive affirmations, like literally scientifically, don't work. Because what happens is when you start to say things about yourself that you actually don't believe, your brain actually does the instead of reinforcing it, it actually starts to fight against it, saying that's not true. Even mm-hmm. as you're citing your morning affirmation, you know, I am. You know, I have blonde hair and I'm skinny. Well, I know that's not true. So my brain is going to start saying, no, it's not true. So it's subconsciously, it's actually making it worse. If that makes sense, it's reinforcing wow. that negative. Brain. And mm-hmm. so the first thing we, we, we believe is like, 
So like for me, one was I believed that I was going to have a premature death. That was one of my limiting beliefs from the time I was like mm-hmm. seven. I remember thinking I was going to die in my late 20s. Specifically, I was going to die when I turned 27 years old. I don't know why. That was just mm-hmm. this belief that I had that I bought into that I believed was going to be true. And so the first thing that I wanted to do was identify that belief. And there's a process that we take you through in Healing What's Hidden, which is our book or in our Reboot Recovery courses that really do that helps you identify what that limiting belief is because and until, where it came from and where I was going to say, and the second part is where did it come mm-hmm. from? And so like for, I don't want to share Jenny's, but some might be, no one wants to hear my opinion. Well, there might be a single moment that somebody said something. And usually what we found in our courses and our workshops is usually um, the person thinks it's silly. Like mm-hmm. they'll say things like, it's really weird. But as I was thinking about when did I first, cause the questions that we walked through is like, when did you first feel this? Usually they'll say something like, this is really stupid. It's actually kind of funny one to think about it. But the first time was probably this. And they almost excuse it as like comical, which is what they did in the first place, which is probably how Satan got his his fangs and how he got Mm -hmm. kind of his grip in that area because he got you to excuse it as that's not a big deal, Hmm. right? And it deepened from there, right? And so that's the first thing is identify when it began and what it is. The second one is to ask four questions about that limiting belief. And here's the four that we guide people through. First is, when was the first time you believed it? Next was, what experience or person made me feel this way? Third is, how long have I believed this about myself? And number four is, um, why did this impact me so deeply? Or how does this impact me today? And those four questions, as you start to go through that, it's, it's profound the depth that those simple four questions start to unearth. And as soon something mm-hmm. as simple as a premature death, you start to realize like, wait a minute, well, that's why I'm afraid of flying. Well, that's the reason why I've never settled down in a relationship. Well, that's the reason why I've, I don't make any investments. I just spend all my money because out of that silly belief comes all these manifestations mm-hmm. of limitation. Does that make sense? So, yeah. um, and then we go through the process of, of repeating it. You know, that that's a very well-worn synapse in our brain very comfortable repeating that limiting belief. So uh, there's a process of sort of undoing that with, with what the truth is. And so that's kind of the process that we go that go through is replacing that limiting belief with what the truth is. And instead of it being a positive affirmation, you, there's, there's a process. I don't have time to go through all of it today, but you can go through yeah. uh, re realigning that. Hmm. I've experienced this in my own life. And I think, you know, as we sort of tie the bow on the conversation where we started with this being a way that we address the spiritual roots of what we've gone yeah. through. There were things that I was carrying around, like this feeling that I'm unsafe. Mm. I'm nearly 40 years old. And this year, asked that question, where was the first time that I felt this? I asked it with God in prayer. And I was terrified of what I was going yeah. to find out. Um, and I think that's sometimes why we don't approach these questions. We might know exactly where they came from, right? And we're just so scared of, of revisiting that. and. In the context, though, of this very safe relationship with God, this very sacred time with Him, He started to give me the memories back, but they were not, there was no more fear attached to them. You know, that it was like just pictures of like, this is where you felt this the first time. This particular incident with this particular person is where it all began. And, you know, I was like three or four years old. And, And these are things that we may even... I know that as a three, four-year-old, I didn't fully even understand what was happening at the time. And now as an adult, I know exactly what was happening at the time, but I kind of just like discarded these memories because they weren't really all that Mm -hmm. impactful. But 
for that to be pinpointed as that was the place where you first felt unsafe. And for me to see then how that's played out in my other relationships and all in my life and all of the things that have happened. Um, finally being able to grab onto the fact though, that, but now I am safe, but that, that incident that occurred now I see where all of the, you know, all of the damage played out, but that God has already healed so much of that. And so that's where he was able to put a lot of these things to rest for me. But if we don't know that these are the questions to ask, we don't know that this is something we can do with God. You know, these are these are sometimes too frightening to approach. And as I've said before, this was after years and years and years of asking questions and doing work that I had to first learn how to trust God before I could ever ask him this kind of question. And so it's okay if we're doing this over and over. And it's okay if we feel like, oh, I'm visiting this again. But it's because God knows if he gave us everything all at once, it would crush us. We'd never be able to handle it. And so that whole peeling back the onion analogy is just when you're ready, I'll give you the next one. And when you're ready, I'll give you the next one. But it's only to bring about ultimate good in our lives and redemption in our stories. That's so So true. Yep. Agreed. Because it's like a lot of times, yeah, there was an initial perpetrator, but after a while we became our own perpetrator. Scripture Mm -hmm. says, forgive your enemy. A lot of times we're our worst enemies. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. Evan, Jenny, I am just so grateful for this time with both of you. This conversation has just been so healing for me. At the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question, and it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? Yeah, we know that single moms often experience a lot of limiting beliefs. Some, as we've talked about, are imposed by others and some by media and and then others even just by themselves, as we said. But we really want you to know that God sees you, that He knows your struggle and that He is with you. And also Evan and I and Reboot Recovery and Healing What's Hidden, we're all here to help. Um, specifically, Reboot Recovery offers childcare to make it easy for people to bring their kids and to just come in, leave their um, burdens as, as much as they can at the door to f- come in and into that intense time of focusing and working on healing. So, because we know that as you heal, your children will reap the rewards. So mm-hmm. um, please learn more about, about us, our Reboot Recovery, if that's something that's interesting to you. Um, I know that's your next question, but yeah, yeah RebootRecovery.com <laughs> is where you can find a course near you in person or virtual. Uh, you can also learn more about our book, Healing What's Hidden at HealingWhat'sHidden.com. And you can follow us on social media at Evan and Jenny Owens. And officially, the book is now available yeah. for sale. That's and right. it's a bestseller in our house right now. <laughs> uh, we would love for it to be a bestseller somewhere else. Uh, you know, anywhere, actually. Thailand, Egypt, doesn't really matter. That'd be great. But seriously, in the book, I will say it was a big blessing to us. And if any of the things we've shared today have hit a root with you, um, this book, as we you know, we talked about, it's, it's not a uh, heavy, overwhelming book. This book's high, highly encouraging, full of life and, and life-giving content. And I know it'll bless you. So healingwhatshidden.com, you can click there and you can order it or you can just go to Amazon. Absolutely. And I will include links in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to access your resources. Highly do recommend this book. Thank you. Evan and Jenny, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. It's our pleasure. If you found this conversation helpful, I've got a couple of others that you might want to listen to. Check out episode 125, Children, Trauma, and Abuse, Helping Your Child Recover When You're Healing Too, with Justin Holcomb. Also, have a listen to episode 90, Try Harder, Try Softer, Harnessing the Gifts of Compassion and Curiosity in Trauma Recovery, with Andy Kolber. 
I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.